Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where we talk about the Doctor Who that I have watched and describe the plot of to you. Yes, that's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> um, and it's a podcast that we're making again now after a little little hiatus there. Yeah, I feel like uh, our our recording schedule always kind of goes off the rails in the summer. Yeah, stuff's slowly kind of happening again sometimes. Um, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's up? How's it going? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I have the past couple of days been playing with this new gaming console device that I got, which I will now show to you on the video. It's called a Playdate. Is it like a, a Game Boy emulator? Um, sort of. It's, it's actually like a, a new device, but it does have a, a two-bit screen. But I don't know like how many pixels, pixels it has, but it's a <laughs> pretty detailed two-bit screen and has yes. nice speakers. Um, I pre-ordered it like last summer and just got it a couple of days ago. And uh, it comes with a season of games. You get like two games per week for, I think, six weeks or something. Wow. So yeah, it's it's been pretty fun so far. So far, I've played a, a game that's about surfing. And then there's another game that's like an adventure game about bird photography. Nice. <laughs> um, so, so it looks like a Game Boy um, for for those of you who haven't Googled it yet or weren't familiar with it, like I wasn't. Um, is it just BA Start Select like the original um, Game Boy? It has a basically just BA and a D pad, but then the other thing that sets it apart is it has a crank. Oh. So what happens when you crank it? Uh, well, it depends on the game. Oh, it's like a, a uh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's an input device. <laughs> in in the surfing game, the crank is the only input device and basically controls like what angle your surfboard is. Interesting. Wow. Now I'm, I'm, you know, sitting here debating what direction we want to uh, take this discussion about cranking your game. <laughs> um, well, speaking of new hardware, um, audio files among the listeners may already have detected that I'm using a different microphone today. Um, Kyle has lent me slash permanently <laughs> given i don't know uh his the microphone that he used to use for recording so um i'm no longer using uh, my my work headset to record <laughs> the doctor's watcher <laughs> Indeed. hopefully it sounds better not worse <laughs> i did a quick sound check beforehand it does seem to sound nice so hopefully <laughs> hopefully it sounds nice in your ears as well listeners there was a, a whole saga that i won't get into the details of that ended up with me basically having two of the same mic. So, yeah, one of them went over to Benny's house. So the one that you have seems to have, like, a, a cover on it, right? Yeah, I got that separately. Okay. I cool. think it was, like, five bucks on Amazon or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll look into that, too. 
Um, but right now I'm just excited about it. It looks very serious. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not sponsored, so we're not saying the brand. Uh-huh. Um, but it's heavy. That's how you know it's like a, it is a, heavy, a big yeah. boy mic. Uh, it is a brand that is often recommended for podcasts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you, you know, if you look for mid range mics on Amazon, it's probably going to be your first, one of your top hits. Um, but, but yeah, I've used a, a snowball mic before, which is kind of has a reputation for being kind of baby's first microphone. Um, so that those are light. They're, they're, they're pretty flimsy feeling, but this one feels like a, a real serious big boy microphone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is like to, to using this guy for a while. Hopefully this is like baby's second or third microphone. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> Well, shall we give it a run for the money and see how it handles an episode of Doctor Who? Let's do it. This is the 32nd episode of season two. We were just talking before we started recording about how fucking long these seasons are. <laughs> so many episodes. <laughs> this one is called Flight Through Eternity. Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll put up the 32 episodes if we get titles like Flight Through Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall, it has been a while since we recorded last but do you recall our cliff dangler i cheated i'm i'm a fucking cheater (laughs) (laughs) i'm calling myself out (laughs) um i well the thing is okay 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 so like i i sort of i thought i remembered what it was but then i was like no i think that there must have been another one after that that i'm just forgetting but no i think that the most recent one um and i think it's it just felt like not the most recent one because it's been so long since we recorded was them them leaving the the desert planet with two suns and the um you know seaweed sculptures or seaweed monuments and and getting on the tardis and like flying off and the daleks being like they can't get away from us we're gonna get them is that right is that the right yep, pretty much here? yeah all righty <laughs> <laughs> so we we open this episode. I don't think they actually show us anything from the previous episode. I think I actually I mean, it kind of was no cliff yeah. They just, they just kind of left. <laughs> but we open with the TARDIS crew all basically laughing and joking about what a close escape they had on the desert planet. Little do they know. Uh-huh. They're, like, talking about how they hope that the Meyer Beasts are enjoying the meal of the Dalek that fell down the hole. <laughs> yes, nice. And then a beeping noise starts. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it it did not sound like a Zarbi. It okay, was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like every every beeping noise I'm gonna worry for your sanity now. <laughs> uh-huh. And the doctor actually knows what it is right away. Oh cool. That's my time pass detector. It's been in the ship ever since I constructed it. Did you know I don't remember it registering before? A time path detector, you say? I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I this think time you path... I would, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> this time path detector that has apparently never detected a time path. 
because he's <laughs> or he doesn't remember it ever doing that F- flashback to five minutes ago and vicky's walking around you know like looking for a dropped contact or something and then she sees on the ground this like um power cord lying next to an outlet She's like <laughs> did somebody forget to plug this thing in <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i did find it interesting that he said it's been in the ship ever since I constructed it. I don't know if oh yeah he meant I, like we spoiler alert for several years in the future. <laughs> it turns out we find out eventually that he stole the TARDIS. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he meant that he constructed the time path detector or if he's just lying. I mean, or at this point, the writers had just sort of assumed that the doctor had built the TARDIS. Yeah. But then he also seems terrible at driving it, so, yeah, who knows? Yeah, having stolen it makes a lot more sense with, like, how much he knows about its operations. I mean, maybe if he built it and he, you know, this is essentially one long test flight, then that might also explain why he doesn't (laughs) seem to know what he's doing. Uh Uh-huh. But then there's also a manual that he mentioned that he read, um... No, I think that was so, just oh, us a talking about just, it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the danger of uh, the Doctor's Watchers. So did I forget what's bullshit? <laughs> uh-huh. He explains to them that this time path detector surveys the time path that they're on. And the fact that it's registering now can only mean that there's another time machine traveling on the same route. I love it. So, yeah, the Daleks are after them, basically. We get a nice little music sting here and the opening title card of the episode. And we get this visual effect of basically timey-wimey, kaleidoscopy, lava-lampy stuff. Nice. With the TARDIS, like, flying through it. And then a few moments later, we see the Dalek time machine flying through it. I love it. Did we talk about what the Dalek time machine looks like? I don't remember. There was something about like looking into it and like, it's like a, it wasn't like a cabinet. And then you can like see the room beyond it. I like, give us a, give us a recap. Um, <laughs> yeah. From, from the outside, which is what we get to see here as it flies through tiny limey kaleidoscopy lava lampy stuff from the outside it basically looks like if you imagine a revolving door but uh-huh. instead of like transparent glass like you generally see at a revolving door at like the department store or, or a hotel or whatever uh-huh. it's like opaque metal doors and it's in like a big square housing instead of a round housing Interesting. And that's that's pretty much what it looks like from the outside. That's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, it was cool. On board the Dalek time machine, they have locked their tracking device onto the enemy time machine. And one of the Daleks asks for the extent of the time curve. And another Dalek responds. Seven, seven, three, Dalekian scale. Nine, one, five degrees. Oh, the Dalekian scale. One of my favorite scales. Uh Uh-huh, totally. But for some reason, the first Dalek asks for the time lag on the Earth scale. I'm not... You know, this this Dalek's been studying, trying to, like, expand his horizons. That must be it. Like, he thinks... They think they know the conversion from Dalekian to Earth, but... 
they're not sure. So yeah, yeah. Now, what are Dalek pronouns? I guess I've been assuming he, him, but I shouldn't assume. Yeah, I'm. I'm not entirely clear. Like he, him, they, them, it, it. <laughs> well, maybe Dalek. Dalek, <laughs> Dalek. Uh huh. So this Dalek asks for the time lag on the Earth scale. The other Dalek takes a moment to do the conversion, but ends up saying that they're 15 minutes behind the enemy and gaining. It's yeah. Like what, what unit of measure do you even use when you're traveling through time to, to note? I don't know. I can't even, this is, yeah, it's, it's not clear what this means that they're 15 minutes behind, (laughs) but they do start preparing to catch our heroes yeah, I, I guess, you know, for us as the audience, that's the only important part here. Yeah. Final victory inevitable. The executioner to prepare to disembark. I obey. <laughs> Two episodes later, we get to find out what the executioner is. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky gives Barbara a guava-flavored food bar. Yum. And the two of them and Ian all start wondering what they're going to do about the Daleks. The doctor says that he's unable to elude them. I guess, you know, being on the same time path is pretty serious. Uh Uh-huh. And when the TARDIS lands, it's going to take 12 minutes for the ship computers to reorientate themselves and gather power before they can leave again. Uh Uh-oh. Ian has a suggestion, though. Why don't we just go faster, Doctor? <laughs> that is a good suggestion. Uh-huh. The Doctor's just like, why don't you fuck off, dear boy? Hmm? <laughs> uh, also a good response. <laughs> Vicky notices that the time rotor is slowing down, which means that they're going to be able to land soon. Okay, time rotor, I dig it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we're getting a lot of, like, TARDIS terminology in this episode. Yes. Barbara wonders where they're going to be able to land, and we cut to stock footage of the Statue of Liberty, (laughs) and then stock footage of the 1960s New York City skyline. Interesting. And a camera pan up the front of the Empire State Building. And then we cut to several tourists who are on, you know, a television studio set that's designed to look (laughs) like the observation deck of the Empire State Building. Amazing. Benny, this is going to be a section of the podcast where... For your sake, I hope that I will do the voices justice, but I don't really trust my ability to do so. Okay. Because we get lots of British people doing different American accents. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, I mean, I, I am going to get this eventually when we when we do the listen-through of the final version. So, uh-huh. um, Kyle, I, I, I appreciate you, you making the effort. And listeners will all enjoy it together. (laughs) You know, this is potentially an an episode of the show worth watching, like, just for some of these accents. This feels familiar. I feel like, I don't know if, like, I watched this back when you were first watching Doctor Who or something, but... 
or you showed it to me or it's entirely possible yeah 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 <laughs> the the empire state building and the the british people doing american accents and stuff it feels feels very familiar but i yeah i don't remember exactly the circumstances yeah so we we start with the tour guide who's you know showing everyone around on the empire state building he has a very like classic new york accent here uh, on top of the uh, empire state building you're on the uh, hundred and uh, second uh, story above the ground level at a height of one uh, one thousand four hundred and seventy three feet uh, this is the uh, tallest building the tallest structure in the entire world amazing no notes thank you i don't see i don't see how the actual sound clip could have been better than kyle doing it but uh i also yeah i suspect that the the sound clip also is unbelievable incredible (laughs) maybe we'll drop my version in as the stinger at the end of this episode (laughs) we'll see we'll see stay tuned wait till the end of the episode and find out listeners yeah, I always there's a, always a, that part of me that's like I think we've talked about this before, so I'm pretty sure listeners should know by now. But you should listen to the uh, the final theme song till the end because there's always a a little voice clip or an outtake from us or something that uh, uh-huh. Kyle drops on the end of the episode. Usually it's from Doctor Who, but sometimes it's from us. Yeah, it's almost always almost always a, a clip from Doctor Who. Yeah. So this tour guide continues with his monologue. He points out a few other buildings, <laughs> and then he he leads most of the tourists around to the other side of the observation deck. But one guy stays behind to look through like the little telescope that's up there. He looks through the telescope for a minute and then reveals to us viewers that he's not from around here. Sure don't have anything like that in Alabama. No, sir. <laughs> Amazing. Is he wearing like a giant cowboy hat? Yeah, actually he is. <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> He's got like a, a cowboyish hat and I'm pretty sure he had a flannel shirt on. Amazing. While he looks through the telescope, the TARDIS materializes behind his back and Barbara kind of, you know, comes out onto the deck he, you know, stops looking through the telescope and he turns around and he greets her and she's like, oh, cool, cool. You're from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and he very politely corrects her. No, no, man. No, I'm from Alabama. <laughs> oh, wow. She asks for the time, and he tells her, and then she clarifies that actually she wanted to know what year it was. Yes, it's always always good when someone asks you what year it is. Uh-huh. He's like... What, you mean you have different years here? <laughs> she's like... <laughs> Just tell me already. <laughs> uh-huh. She's like... Well, what year is it in Alabama? Turns out... It's 1966. Cool. 
which is actually in the future of the original broadcast of this episode. Amazing. I, yeah, I looked it up. This serial was broadcast in May and June of 1965. There you go, folks. That's what uh, New York City is going to look like one year from now. <laughs> Vicky, Ian, and the Doctor all exit the TARDIS, much to the delight and astonishment of Alabama Guy. <laughs> Ian and the Doctor both agree with each other that they shouldn't fight the Daleks here. A lot of innocent people could get hurt. Yeah. Don't want anything to happen to Alabama Guy. Yeah. So they decide that they should just GTFO as soon as the ship is ready to go. Alabama yes. Guy decides that he thinks he knows what's going on. I just bet you folks are from Hollywood. You're making some kind of motion picture. Now, now that's it, ain't it? I, I find it kind of hilarious that he can't tell that they have, like, English accents, and he seems to think that they're from New York, but now he thinks that uh-huh. they're uh, Maybe they... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's going on with the Alabama guy? Uh-huh. The doctor's just like... No, we don't. I, I mean, it's just... Uh, doctor they all basically just head back into the TARDIS Alabama guy decides that he wants to get a picture of it apparently he left his camera over by the telescope so he goes back to the telescope to get his camera and when he turns back around to take the picture the TARDIS is gone awesome and of course we knew that was going to happen didn't we listeners uh huh Real clever how they've done that. Sure, but don't beat off. <laughs> this guy's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Alabama guy was pretty awesome. Hey, how's the episode so far? You can share your thoughts by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting us at doctorwatcher. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And now, let's get back to the episode. He basically just kind of like gazes out over the New York skyline um, or, you know, over basically the wall of the the set that they're filming in yes. that that they didn't even really bother painting to look like a skyline it was just kind <laughs> of like well the the empire state building's so tall that you can't really <laughs> see the other buildings it's just sky uh-huh but he's you know gazing into the middle distance and laughing to himself about what he just saw and experienced when the dalek time machine materializes behind his back so, of course, he turns back around. He's amazed and delighted to see the Dalek time machine here. As and he should be. Of course. As we all would be, I'm sure. He is even more amazed and delighted when a Dalek rolls out of it. Say, you sure are an ugly looking quick. What's the name of this film, miss? <laughs> my, my boy, you come all over in blue spots. 
Oh, interesting that the, the Dalek spots are blue in this. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. I think this is the first time that we've, like, learned anything about the color of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Other than, I guess, there was, like, the black one, but... Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, apparently Daleks have blue hemispheres. Because I think that the, the more modern ones have, like, yellowish tan hemispheres, right? Uh, I think some of them do. I feel like they go through different iterations. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, I feel like they're mostly like various metallics. Mm -hmm. So Alabama guy ends up grabbing the Daleks ray gun arm. Not necessarily the best idea. Oh, because he's trying to like shake hands with it or something. I think so. Yeah. He's trying to shake his hand and the Daleks plunger arm basically like pushes him up against the wire mesh at the end of the viewing platform. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like if I was going to try to shake hands with a Dalek, I might go for the plunger arm first, but also like, <laughs> even if he thinks this thing's a special effect or something, like you wouldn't just... Eh, who knows? He's from Alabama. Yeah. That explains it. <laughs> the Dalek is basically just like, What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I like this Dalek. <laughs> and Alabama guy tells it all about, like, you know, the Hollywood people that he met that were in a beat up old blue wooden box that just kind of vanished. Mm hmm. And. The Dalek basically just turns around and rolls back into the time machine. Alabama guy goes back to the telescope to get his camera. And, (laughs) of course, when he turns back around to take a photo of the Dalek time machine, it's gone. Just keep your camera on you, Alabama guy. Yeah, seriously. I figured he would have learned his lesson the first time, but apparently not. (laughs) Yeah. He starts looking around for where this you know where the time machine could have gone to he's like stomping on the ground like trying to find a hidden compartment or something and as he's doing this the rest of the tour group all comes back around from the other side of the building and you know they see him just kind of like stomping and acting unusual or whatever and the tour guide basically decides that he must be crazy. Well, he's just from Alabama. Uh-huh. So the tour guide asks one of the other tourists basically to keep an eye on Alabama guy and like make sure he doesn't jump off the building while the tour guide goes to get a cop to deal with him. Mm. Well, good luck, Alabama guy. Yeah, I, I hope it turns out okay for him. Yeah. I, I do have to say getting a, a police officer to deal with a person having a mental health crisis is surprisingly American. So, uh, it is. well done BBC writers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should also point out that in 1966, it was probably less fraught than it is now. But um, yeah, we'll, that's we'll not give them the benefit, the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. Yeah. For for our current American listeners, just know that it is not necessarily the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Back on the TARDIS, the doctor is working on something, 
He's apparently trying to build something that they can use to fight back against the Daleks. Good. The TARDIS starts to land again, but the Doctor says that he isn't ready yet. They'll need to land and then take off again as quickly as they can, just like last time. We cut to a ship at sea. It was a two-masted brigantine, according to the Doctor Who transcripts website I use. I think we've shouted out Chrissy at Chakotea.net before. Shout out Chrissy. I will also mention that Chakotea.net is a great site if you're interested in Star Trek transcripts as well. And who isn't? (laughs) The ship's captain and mate are discussing their situation they are about six miles off the island of Santa Maria, and apparently they're making pretty pretty poor time. They don't really expect it to get any better anytime soon. Apparently the weather at the moment really sucks for sailing. It's too calm. Hmm. So what, what, roughly what period would you guess their, their costumes are? Like fairly modern, more like... Piratey, um, um, further back, like re- Renaissance or medieval. They're probably like eighteen hundreds. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, as they are having this discussion, the TARDIS materializes on the deck of the ship. Uh, the captain and the mate aren't aware of it; they're you know off somewhere else. But the TARDIS <laughs> materializes. Ian and Barbara peek out through the door of the TARDIS. And Barbara is super excited. It is a ship, Ian. It's a sailing ship at sea. Barbara, don't go wandering off, please. I just want to have a look. I I love sailing ships. Awesome. So she goes over to look over the ship's deck rail. Ian thinks this is a bad idea, but he can't really stop her. So Ian heads back inside the TARDIS. Barbara, I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't think I could pass up the opportunity either, to be honest. Yeah, it's that's fair. I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> Barbara, of course, almost immediately gets caught by the ship's mate, who assumes that she's a stowaway. She insists that she's not. She says that she just came on board, <laughs> and he's like. I suppose you're some sort of a mermaid has lost her tail, eh? Yes, woman from Santa Maria there. Just to give us poor lonely sailormen a little bit of feminine company. Hey, buddy, don't uh, don't cast me in your little fantasy there, please. <laughs> During this discussion, quote unquote, Vicky exits the TARDIS. And she sees Barbara and the ship's mate struggling. You know, Barbara's trying to get free. So Vicky grabs a nearby large blunt object. Just a generic large blunt object? Or are you going to reveal <laughs> what it is here in a moment? Um, it was a pretty much a generic large blunt object. Gotcha. Uh, back on the TARDIS, meanwhile, the doctor tells Ian that you know, the ship is charged up or whatever. They're ready to move on. And so he asks Ian to go get the ladies. Well, well it's nice of him to, to refer to Vicky as a lady for once. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was like cooking the lady <laughs> and the little girl or something. <laughs> uh huh. While Barbara continues to struggle with a ship's mate, Vicky has climbed on top of like this, you know, the structure on the ship's deck that Barbara and the ship's mate are standing outside of. And she whacks the ship's mate on the back of the head with her blunt object. Nice. And he falls unconscious to the deck. I mean, I say nice in the hopes that he's okay, which actually he is, given the type of show this is. Yeah. Barbara thanks Vicky, and Vicky's just all totally, like, cool and nonchalant about it. That's all right. Anytime. Nice. They hear someone else coming, so Vicky hides and whacks this person over the head as soon as they arrive. (laughs) And, of course, it's Ian. Yes. And he falls unconscious as well. <laughs> oh, man. Vicky's just racking up the body <laughs> count. Uh-huh. Oh! Oh, Ian! I'm terribly sorry. Did I hurt you? Oh, that's a silly question. <laughs> uh, Barbara's like, he's got a thick skull. <laughs> he, here's a Sharpie. He'll probably out for a few minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so they carry him back onto the TARDIS, and... The ship's mate regains his consciousness just in time to watch the TARDIS dematerialize. He's still, like, kind of bleary, though. Like, you know, he's just regained consciousness. He's not fully present or whatever. Uh So he doesn't really quite trust what he's seeing. He just kind of, like, blinks and watches the TARDIS disappear and kind of blinks again and, you know, has a puzzled look on his face or whatever. (laughs) And then the captain walks by and says, what are you looking at? And he goes, I think I just saw a mermaid box. Uh Uh-huh. Well, he actually does go and get the captain and tells him all about the stowaway that he found. You know, he he believes Barbara to be a stowaway. So the captain and the bosun start organizing all the men to search the ship. The ship's mate wonders if it could have been the white Barbary terror, but the captain <laughs> says that that's just a superstition. I love it. I hope we get a white Barbary terror spinoff. <laughs> yeah, totally. The Daleks, of course, are still on their search or their chase. They're following the TARDIS, and they are preparing to land their time machine. You know, they're preparing to land... We cut back to the ship. The ship's bosun and another sailor have basically finished, like, searching their assigned area of the ship. They haven't found anything, but all of a sudden they see a Dalek rolling toward them. (laughs) That's the weirdest looking mermaid I ever saw. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they actually decide that the Dalek must be the White Terror of Barbary. Okay, sure, why not? (laughs) And when the Dalek asks, Where are the time travelers? These two sailors start shouting about the White Terror, basically telling everybody to run, and a giant panic breaks out on board the ship. So we get sailors, like, running all around. They are jumping overboard, 
everyone is shouting about the White Terror. We how, how many sailors do we have on this ship? Because for some reason, I, I, I guess I just was assuming that our, our cast of extras here was fairly small. Um, maybe a dozen or so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Not bad. And, of course, that number is dropping quickly because everyone's <laughs> jumping overboard. Uh-huh. We even see a woman holding a baby. Uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but the captain had talked about his wife and child being on board. So Dang. presumably this is them. She jumps overboard, like with the child. Oh, dang. We see a Dalek try to question the ship's mate, but he runs away and jumps overboard. The captain sees his wife like floating in the water. So he takes off his hat and jacket and jumps overboard. Okay. And pretty much at this point, the ship is empty other than the Dalek search party. There is like a lone sailor who kind of comes wandering out of the galley after like finishing his meal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just like everyone else, as soon as he sees a Dalek, <laughs> he starts like shouting and yelling and freaking out. And he actually doesn't like jump overboard. He's kind of just like backing away from a Dalek that is like rolling toward him and just like backs up too far and like backs off the edge of the ship, <laughs> goes overboard. Oh. They're all going to have to start swimming after their ship and uh -huh. hoping it doesn't get away from them, I guess. I'm not entirely sure how or why, but the Dalek that this guy is backing away from, like, continues rolling forward and it rolls overboard. <laughs> Just uh, thought it looked like so much fun. <laughs> uh huh. The other Daleks all confirm that the ship is indeed empty. So they've got to continue their chase. They all start rolling back onto their time machine, which, you know, dematerializes. Wow, just leaving that one Dalek behind, huh? Yep, it's yeah. probably at the bottom of the ocean now. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't think Daleks float. Uh-huh. As the Daleks leave, we get all these, like, spooky shots of the now-empty ship and, you know, various, like, scenes on the ship having been abandoned. And, you know, there's, like, all the papers out on the table. And there's, like, you know, the food out on another table or whatever. And we also get a shot of the ship's nameplate. <laughs> As one of the Daleks rolls toward their time machine, it reveals the nameplate, which was hidden from the camera. And apparently this ship is the Mary Celeste. Of course. <laughs> and we get a few more shots of this empty ship as it drifts away into the sea with nothing but the sound of wind and creaking ropes. Wow. It was the Daleks all along. Uh-huh. Back on the TARDIS, Barbara is helping Ian with his head wound. She thinks it was pretty funny, but... <laughs> uh, Barbara. Uh-huh. He doesn't see the joke. He did, however, 
see the name of the ship. So he tells Barbara that they were on the Mary Celeste and the two of them kind of ponder that for a moment. Do they think it's like funny or profound or are they just kind of like, huh? Uh, based on the looks on their face, I'm guessing probably profound. Okay, cool. Yeah. The doctor informs everyone that he changed the curve they were traveling on in an attempt to lose the Daleks, but they must have detected the change because they're still following. (laughs) Ah, those clever, wily Daleks. Uh Uh-huh. Ian mentions the TARDIS's 12-minute lead. You know, the Doctor had talked previously about how when they landed, they'd have 12 minutes before the Daleks would arrive or something like that. I think it was actually 12 minutes for the TARDIS to recharge, but yeah, that's the script is kind too. of retconning that now. Okay. <laughs> We're retconning it within the very same episode. <laughs> uh-huh. But in either case, the doctor says that it's down to eight minutes now. Uh-oh. And it's going to get cut shorter with their next landing as well. We must trace the facts. The Daleks are closing in on us. Dun, dun, dun. We cut to another timey-wimey, kaleidoscopy, lava-lampy shot with the TARDIS flying through it and then the Dalek time machine flying through it. And the words, next episode, Journey into Terror, appear on screen. Wow. Wow. Journey into Terror. Amazing. Yeah, they're really hitting it out of the park with the episode titles in this serial thanks to Terry Nation. Oh, right. The, 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 yes. It's got to be Terry Nation. Yeah. It's it's a Dalek serial, so... Oh. It, well, it's kind of a Dalek serial. Yeah. It's interesting because he, of course, also wrote The Keys of Marinus, which was a serial where they like jump around to different locations. It's just kind of what they seem to be doing here. Yeah. Kind of a greatest hits type of thing here. Mm hmm. Well, cool. I'm, I'm digging this so far. I mean, I feel like this episode was, I don't know. It's like, it's not, it's not really about, um, accomplishing anything or, um, things changing. It's just, you know, we're, we're trying to run away from the Daleks and we got to keep running until we can figure something out. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It, it, it seems to have some good, good humor in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this episode specifically was definitely fun and enjoyable, but also if you removed it entirely, like <laughs> the story of this serial, like would hardly even notice that it yeah. was missing. Yeah. But then we never would have met Alabama guy. That's true. And <laughs> what a loss. <laughs> yeah, that that would be a a terrible loss to have not met Alabama guy. Oh my guy. goodness. Well, cool. Um all right, did you have any uh thoughts or um reactions or anything that you wanted to go through before we wrap it up? Oh, I was going to mention that our our resident 
podcast musician, Circuit 23, is going to be having a new album coming out soon. Oh, cool. Uh, it might be out by the time this episode is released. Uh, he wasn't sure, though. Last time I talked to him, he wasn't sure when when it was going to be released, but sometime late this summer. I am not even remembering the name at the moment. <laughs> so uh, this is kind of a useless plug, but... We'll put a link in the <laughs> show notes. Uh-huh. And I'm sure I'll mention it again later as well. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll probably tweet it or whatever. So He did say, unfortunately, that this one will not be getting a vinyl release <laughs> like his previous album did. Ah, uh, bummer. Which is a shame, but... Yeah. I'll buy it in whatever form it comes out on. Yeah. I bought the last one in MP3s. I'll probably buy this one in MP3s as well. Um, <laughs> I, I really do not have a whole lot that plays physical media in this house right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I know that you have some afternoon plans. We're only recording <laughs> this one episode today. Yeah, my afternoon plans are chores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Well, always a pleasure. Thank you for watching Doctor Who and telling me about it. Indeed. Come back next time, listeners, to find out what sort of terror they journey into. Yes. It's going to be a good one. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Here uh, on top of the uh, Empire State Building... You're on the uh, hundredth and second story uh, above the uh, ground level at a height of uh, 1,473 feet. This is the tallest building, the tallest structure in the entire world.